When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Good afternoon. Welcome to Sports and Other But Sports with Ken Sterling for Thursday, August 22nd, 2019. Brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry, Dr. Mike O'Neill, the best dentist there is. Give him a call, 317-849-2933. We just watched the part of the Colts practice we're allowed to see. No sign of Andrew Luck. I did not see Paris Campbell at that practice. We were right in front of the offensive linemen, so i got to tell you the truth. Our view was a little bit obscured as to what was going on on the practice field indoors today because of the inclement weather still raining lightly on the northwest side of indianapolis the cubs giants 220 this afternoon that game gets underway with kyle hendricks facing jeff samarja The Cubs are going for a sweep over the San Francisco Giants, coming off last night's thrilling 12-11 victory at the friendly confines. Chris Bryant with the two-run bomb in the bottom of the eighth, carried the day for the Chicago Cubs. Hugh Darvish, not great. The bullpen, not great. But you know what? When you score 12 runs, you ought to be able to win some games. Let's talk about the Cubs for a little bit with, from CubsInsider.com, the great Evan Altman joins us. All right, Evan, let's talk about the Cubs. I can't figure this team out. The disparity between home and road is just too weird. What's the difference between the Cubs at home and on the road? Um, Gosh. Is it enthusiasm? Sorry, is, it, it, uh, is there a different level, level of play? What the hell? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm kind of stumped for it. It's such a weird deal. Um, because you watch a game – like there's a uh, last night's game, for instance. Let's take it, and that, that was kind of a wild contest. And that's not, not really something that you would see played out that you can really draw anything specific from in terms of what they did. However, you know, I think we've seen it to where last night in a game where they were up seven to one, end up giving that up and falling behind from that. Had that happened on the road. And this is maybe unfair to say this about them, but I, I think you almost have the feeling that if that had happened on the road, they would have folded up oh, and sure. they wouldn't have come back. Right. And and so, but last night we saw this team come back from that, you know, not only from falling behind, you know, they were initially up again, seven to one, 
They give up, uh, they go to a tie with Darvish. They give up the lead immediately after he comes out with Derek Holland somehow being left in the face of righty. And yet <laughs> they come back again and again. And, you know, Chris Bryant, it's the big home run. They've got all these things happening. And so, you know, it's a, it's a matter of comfort. And you, you almost wonder, though, and, and this is where I'm not on the, you know, like saying, hey, fire Joe Madden, like that would do anything now. However, I do think there is something to be said for the motivational tactics and the, whether that be emotional, whatever we want to say, the psychological part of this to where they've almost been built to sustain this, this level of comfort that they have at home to where they can't replicate that on the road. And, and I, this is really odd, but I've been racking my brain about this for the whole year. And, and I just think, I want to say like they're soft or they're too comfortable. That, that's not what I mean. But I do mean that they are comfortable at home to such an extent that shaking that up, even to a small degree when they go on the road, I think kind of results in some things that, that just uh, it, it makes it easier, I guess, for these fluky things to sometimes happen and for them to just sort of fall flat. Uh, that's the best explanation I can come up with because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. They're too good to be so bad on the road. You know, we, we've we heard from Larry Bird talking about the Indiana Pacers periodically when he ran the franchise. He would say, you know what, it's three years. You have the ears of your players for three years, and after that they kind of tune you out. Do you think that's what's happened with Madden? I, I really I do. I've kind of gotten to that point, although, you know, it, it, it varies, and it's, and it's interesting. Although, you know, I, I think using the Larry Bird, I don't, I don't think Madden would be mad if, if somebody painted a mural of him covered in tattoos. I will say that. <laughs> um, so I just, I just, I, I thought that was so funny when, when Bird was like kind of mad about that. But anyway, um, I digress. You know, it, it's interesting because it does sort of feel that way. And, and you think about this. So let's, let's look at that team, you know, early on and there was such a, a verve or, or whatever you want to call it. And everybody just seemed to be, and, and certainly after last night, that seemed to be there, but you don't really see that as much. There's sort of this grind of it. And, and Madden really hasn't changed too much of this stuff. I do think that wears thin. Although think about this, they got a new guy in Nicholas Castellanos. He's, you know, almost getting choked up and we're hearing the things that Madden is saying about him. He, it seems like he'd be run, ready to run through a brick wall for Madden. But he's a guy who just got here. So right. contrast that. And so you sit there and think about like, oh, oh, this is interesting. And, and I mean, I think we could all kind of see that same thing. And you see that, uh, you know, maybe with even you think about your, your teachers in school and, you you know, you have one for a, a while. And, and, boy, this is really cool at first. And then some of the maybe some of the methods they use after a while kind of start to get a little stale. And you're, and you're sitting there thinking, well, this isn't that cool anymore. So, right. yeah, I mean, I do think that's some of it. And there's there's a point at which being sort of that rah-rah guy and, and really totally appealing to that emotional side kind of starts to wear thin when maybe some of those strategic deals on the backside and some of the decisions that are made aren't really enough to or, or maybe are too much, I guess, for some of that um, – that warm fuzzy to not overcome. And, and, and that's just kind of one of those deals. Again, I think there are probably no better managers in the game uh, at that kind of psychological, emotional side of things, but there's a point at which 
some of these guys have to be sitting there and just wondering, like, what in the hell is he? Wait, huh? Why? Yeah. Why is this happening? If we, if we're all saying it, maybe they're not. I'm not there. I'm not. I don't know. But it, it doesn't have that same feel on a day in day out basis as what we saw, and, and that's again, is it fair to completely blame that on one person? Absolutely not. But there's uh, when you're running the show, you're going to be the one who that's that's part of the deal. When you make six million dollars a year to manage a team. Part of what you're getting getting paid for is to take that criticism and to bear the brunt of that force. So, uh, so yeah, I think I think a lot of that lies on him. You know, and and I think another issue with the deal is when you get too deep into analytics. It, baseball, from the player's perspective, is played by human beings. From management's perspective, you pay a lot of attention to the to the numbers and the analytics. And if you go too deep into the analytics and you do things by analytics and what analytics tell you, you dehumanize the sport for the players. And at some point that's going to rub them raw. Yeah. And, and I think there's, you know, there's a difference in a lot of these things too, to where there, there's some of these numbers are, and, and actually a few of them are predictive, but a lot of them are just telling a story and providing context for what has yeah. already happened. And, and that's, I think, the trouble we get into sometimes is, you know, there's to an extent you can look at something and say, well, hey, over the course of X, you know, this guy has done this in these situations. And so there there are some predictive things to that. Then there's looking at it and saying, okay, well, that's what he's done. But what's this guy doing lately? Um, you know, and we, we saw that a lot with Albert Almora Jr. this year to where you know, he was a contact hitter. He was a guy who had hit lefties much better than righties. But some things changed there, and, I mean, he's a guy who doesn't get on base very much, but he was actually hitting lefties better, and yet, you know, he's being put in the situation to bat lead off and, and to hit against a lot of lefties when he wasn't doing it well. And so there are times we see, I think that's a confluence of both the metrics and the human side where you look at some of those decisions and you scratch your head because you're thinking, I don't know what these guys are seeing. But, yeah, yeah if you're a player and you're being put in a situation – that you don't, you're not comfortable with because somebody's saying, well, the numbers say, and you're going like, dude, that's great, but I don't feel good. And that you're putting me in a position where I feel uncomfortable. That's going to be difficult to succeed. And so regardless of what the numbers say, um, you know, those things. And then there's, you know, again, there's the other way around to where sometimes you got to tell them like, Hey man, you might think this is the case, but let's look at this. Oh, actually you've been really good in this. And then maybe that actually helps a guy to think about things. So um, yeah, but, but certainly if you remove that humanity from it and you don't actually pay attention to what those players are feeling and thinking, uh, you're going to run into a lot of trouble because they're not machines. Last two times out, Craig Kimbrell has looked really, really good. Is this, is he fixed now? Is he right after that stint on the IL? Well, it sure as hell looks like it. Yeah, um, I mean, he's hitting 98. Um, you saw him really the, the Tuesday night game there. Um, had some really nice ride on that fastball and just got that thing up in the zone and kind of tailing a little bit, um, you know, hitting his spots. And you sort of wonder with something like that, um, you know, and, and we'd seen his velocity dip a little bit. And then that's one of the deals, right? It was a knee issue, but that's kind of one of those things when you're talking about pitching or, I mean, anything really at the highest level, the littlest thing is going to throw you off. And, and those things are going to come up when you don't really have a spring training and you didn't ramp up properly or to the extent that you normally would have those little things can come up and kind of 
throw you off that much more because you just have not established that routine as well. And I think what we saw was that he got the time to sit back, take a little bit of a break, take care of the knee, and now we've seen two straight outings where he has looked sharp. He's gotten you know three up, three down. And if if he's out there with that kind of velocity and then dropping in that curveball, my God, um, I mean, come on, hitters don't stand a chance. And that's that you talk about confidence and what that gives to these guys, where they know, hey, hey all we need is a one run lead, we're good. Turn it over to Dirty Craig, and he's got it. So, uh, yeah, I I don't I don't know that he's fixed. Maybe the next inning he'll go out and and not do that well. But boy, he sure looked better these last two than what he had before that. Ciszek just off the IL, he looked really good last night. What a clean inning! Yeah, and that's I, I think that's another case. You know, I'm I'm a little bit more maybe over the course of even though the season is is getting close to the end, uh, stuff like that hip because he did have a, a torn labrum in his left hip a couple years ago that cost him a lot of time. And based on his motion and the way he throws, he's really torquing that left hip because that's where that's his plant foot. That's where he's coming down. And he's coming from the side, a little more twist in that. You know, you again, that is concerning to me and the fact that he had been pitching through that for a while. But, you know, we don't know what happened. I don't know. Did he get a cortisone injection? No idea. I'm not, I don't want to speculate on that. But that is a guy who I think they need to be really careful with because Joe Madden has overused him. And I'm not, I'm not saying that lightly. I mean, the guy had, I think, 80 appearances last season and was on pace to have 75 this year before he, he went out with the injury. So you're talking about a guy with 155 potential appearances over two seasons at an advanced age for a pitcher, not necessarily good for a guy who's had hip issues in the past. So, again, that, that's somebody who they need to be really judicious with him. But if he is allowed to have rest in between, he can look sharp. We've seen it too many times. He's out there for the third day in a row, fourth day in a row, or whatever. And, and that just, it fades a little bit, but boy, with his funky motion and coming in like that, being able to get his pitches executed the right way, hitters don't stand a chance. So, um, again, if they're smart with him. I think he's, he's going to be great back there the rest of the season. Nick Castellanos has been a rele- uh, uh, just a, a revelation. No, revelation, <laughs> revelation. What the hell is that? Nick Castellanos has been a, uh, a revelation in right field at the plate, he is at a point where in the month of August, if he hangs an 0 for 21 over like the next five games, he's still going to be hitting 310 in the month of August. He's got eight home runs in August. He's got uh, 12 RBIs. The guy's been absolutely fantastic. Obviously, he's going to kind of calm down at some point. But from an attitudinal and from a hitting perspective, the guy's been great. Yeah, and I mean, what what a perfect example, right, of of both, let's look at the metrics and kind of the, the emotions of this. And, and you look at a guy who clearly thrives in this environment, being able to yeah. play in front of 40,000 people, playing for a winner after being, and, and you know, and he, he played for some good teams, but when he came up with Detroit, that's when they were the contenders, and, and they were, you know, a favorite uh, over those first few seasons when he came up, and then they just completely fell off a cliff. And then you're talking about a team that was just going nowhere, seemed completely directionless. And, you know, for a guy like that who certainly was not pouting very much outwardly, I mean, he had put a lot of that behind him. But we've seen how that impacts him. 
But the other interesting thing is, and, and I wrote about this at the time the Cubs traded for him before he started playing for them. If you look at his batted ball profile, you know, and, and this is the guy again who leads the majors in doubles. So ton of power to the gap. Uh, but at Comerica that has a really big outfield and just massive power alleys, it was pretty clear from the way he hits that getting in more favorable ballparks, not just Wrigley, but especially being able to play in Cincinnati, uh, Pittsburgh is another really nice one for that that he, you know, uh, that he's being, Milwaukee is going to be another one. There are some very hitter friendly ballparks in the National League Central. And based on the numbers and just kind of mashing some of that, I had said, yeah, he, he will double his home run total and have at least 22 by the end of the season. He had 11 in, you know, 400 and some plate appearances in Detroit. And now he's got eight through 84 with the Cubs. And so it just makes sense. But this is the kind of guy. And, and you wouldn't know if you had not watched the Cubs at all ever. And you started watching this team since uh, the start of August. You'd never know this is a guy who came over in a trade less than a month ago. Right. I mean, if he is. He's got the handshakes down. He's got the moves. He's he's out front talking. This is, I mean, he's like the perfect fit for this team, and and I think that's uh, that cuts both ways, and it's been awesome. And that's what I love about the dude is this. Today is opening day every day because that's what I think has been missing from this team is the enthusiasm for the game. It's such a grind. 162 games, going to the postseason four seasons in a row, even though last year was really really brief. I mean, it's just kind of exhausting, and you can start to think about baseball as something other than a fun event. And Castellanos comes in, and the dude's like, you know what, it's fun, let's go, and it looks like that's elevated everybody. Yeah, because, I mean, think about it, right? He went through that that period of of doldrums after having experienced some, some playoff success or at least some regular season success. Well, a lot of these guys outside of Rizzo, have never known anything other than success. Chris Bryant right. just came up and started going to the NLCS every year. And that's not a knock on him, but that's just the environment they came up into where, hey, basically, here's the deal. Um, we're just going to go ahead and pencil in 90 wins. And, you know, I mean, it's basically like saying that it's going out and playing a scramble with the two putt max. You know, you're just going out there and like, what the hell? Let's just go for it. You know, we're not, we're not <laughs> trying to lay up. Right. We got to see, we got to pick it up after two anyway. Who cares? And so they're just all kind of going out there, just going through the motions, no big deal. And then here's a guy coming in like, what the hell, boys? Let's go. This is opening day. Come on. we got to have this fire. And, um, and you know, it was really cool. So, but I thought it was so neat. Like, he gets the infield single, and then when Bryant blasts that home run, you see Castellanos running the bases like a kid. He's, he looked like one of the little leaguers, man. He's jumping up and down. He's so excited. And, and that is the kind of thing that, again – this guy had come in and been an emotional spark plug. And you can tell he's driving the other guys. He's feeding off of them as well. And I think that's just, that, that is such a cool storyline so far. And I would expect to continue, but it's, but someone who legitimately lifts up those other players. And, and to this point, it certainly looks like he's that guy. And if, he gets, he notches another 11 doubles this season, which is certainly within the realm of possibility. He's going to be the first major leaguer to eclipse 60 in a season since Charlie Geringer in 1936. What is the biggest problem potentially for this team with about a quarter of the season left? Um, you know, I still think you have to look at the middle, you know, we saw what we saw last night and, and certainly 
I don't think we'd expect Darvish to give up four home runs every time out there, but uh, it, when they do have these instances, and all these starters are going to have that happen, and, and as they look to sort of lengthen that rotation to give those guys a little break, you know, I think we're going to see some of these starters only going five, six innings, or we'll see a sixth starter have to be used yeah. uh, because they do want to have them ready and have their rotation set for the playoffs. But that means getting to uh, Craig Kimbrell and Steve Ciszek and, you know, and Brandon Kinsler has looked pretty good lately, but you can't really burn those guys too. But however, that may also mean Tyler Chatwood, who, you know, there's been a couple times when he hasn't looked really good, but if, if he's going to be that long man, and be able to take those innings, which he's proven so far this year, very capable of doing, that's going to be great. But but I think what you worry about is getting too cute with matchups, you know, burning yeah. through the bullpen too early in that sixth and seventh and getting to the point where, oh, gosh, now we turned, you know, a four-run lead into a high-leverage game with three innings left, and how are we going to bridge to uh, to the back of it? So that's what I think I would be concerned with and is keeping those guys because otherwise – you have, I mean, Rowan Wick has, has done really well. Again, Kinsler has done well. Ciszek, when he's rested up, we talked about Kimbrel. The, uh, I haven't mentioned Pedro Strope, and I don't really want to because I don't. No, thank I you. don't think he's he, he's not that back end guy. But um, clean inning, low leverage, maybe. Um, but but that's the issue is is who do you trust? You know, do you trust Pedro Strope? Do you trust Derek Holland? Uh, I would certainly hope not. And so if you have a couple guys who are like, okay, uh, <laughs> we can use these two in very specific situations. You know, if we're up five runs and, you know, Holland can face a lefty batting pitcher, uh, right. he's okay. You know what I mean? Um, right. So that's kind of the tough part is if, if you have a game like last night, then the offense is going to bail you out. So, um, and those are going to come up because they've got, they've got a bunch more road games. They've got a bunch of games against the NL Central and teams that are looking to knock them off. And so that's, teams aren't going to let up. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not going to right. maybe if they get the Pirates again. Uh, they got nobody left. But, you, you know, the Cardinals aren't going to lay down for them if they're down a couple of runs in the seventh inning. So that's not going to be easy. Looking at that team, looking at the, at the Cardinals team, I cannot believe that they're where they are, you know, relative to the Cubs. The Cubs have a much better starting eight. I think they've got a better rotation. They've got a better bullpen. I really don't understand how the Cardinals, and the Cardinals do this year after year with, with like bailing wire and duct tape. They put together a roster that contends for that division almost every year. I just don't understand it. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, to be honest, although I think part of that is because the Cubs have been, and, and, and the Cardinals have been too, but the Cubs have been so abjectly bad on the road. And, you know, a lot of people are yeah. like, well, other teams have been bad on the road too. It's like, okay, well, that's, that's great, but you kind of expected that of the Cardinals, and, and I, I think everybody saw, you know, nobody believed the Brewers were as good as what they showed last year in September, right? And they had some runs this year, but no, again, their pitching staff wasn't good to begin with, and they all got hurt. Those teams aren't supposed to be good on the road. If the Cubs go out there and play just 500 ball on the road, my God, they're up, what, five or six games in the division, and, and nobody, yeah. nobody's talking about the Cardinals being a contender. Uh, and that's that's what the case should be. So if the Cubs can continue to do that and actually show up and start winning some games on the road, then this isn't even a conversation. That's kind of the wild thing to me is you can't look at it and be like, well, it's a moral victory because the other teams in the Central aren't very good on the road. Like, no, <laughs> screw that. I don't care about those other teams. The Cubs are supposed to be better, period. So I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, the, the Cardinals are baffling to me because they just – 
they don't seem like they should be very good. And they, you know, they just keep getting these guys called up from, you know, they get like Roy Hobbs from the middle of Kansas who nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> and the, the kid goes nuts down the stretch, you know, but we'll see. Hey, we, uh, we read you every day, of course, on CubsInsider.com, and you're doing a lot more radio and a lot more other stuff, podcasting and whatnot. There's a thing you're doing with Julie DeCaro. What is that? Uh, so we got Into the Basket uh, yeah. is, a, is a podcast we set up there. Uh, it's myself and Julie and then uh, Brad Robinson, who's with WBBM. And, uh, and, and just kind of, you know, had to, which is always kind of funny, you know, normally if you wanted to, set up your own podcast, kind of like setting up your own blog. You could, I mean, I, I could do it out of my basement if I wanted to and set it right. up on my own. Uh, but when you do it, it's, it's sponsored by 670 to score, which then is, you know, they're owned by radio.com. So there's, there's all this legal stuff that we had to go through. I mean, do we have to pitch it just to even get it up on the platform um, and then do some things, which is, so I've only gotten to record one episode actually in studio, but, because BBM and, and 670 are uh, adjacent. Actually, I think they're moving them in. They had four stations that moved on to two floors there, and it's all been renovated at 670. So right. I need to get to record one when I was up there in the studio. Generally, I have to dial in through this app, um, and, and that's been pretty fun. But the, my, my favorite story about this, like we initially wanted to, we were going to call it the confines, and I guess there's some Cubs newsletter or something like that that uses we had to change them to into the basket, which is my suggestion, and, and, I, and I really liked it. Um, but initially, uh, as they were trying to figure out, well, is this really what we want? Or here's some other suggestions from, from some of the legal folks or the marketing folks at radio.com. Oh boy. And, and yeah, so, um, that, that <laughs> goes about as well as you, you can imagine. And one of the guys was like, well, how about be aware, which, or be alert, be alert, right? Because of the, which, which in and of itself is, is one thing. And it's, you know, it's got the nice esoteric you know, from the little cubby bear and the green signs right. really be alert for uh, this was two days after Albert Almora's foul ball had struck the girl. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm like, like it's so, deaf me to participate. Yeah, it, it, so I'm thinking like, uh, so I, I, you know, I try to be as judicious about it as possible. Where I was like, ah, in light of recent events, I'm not <laughs> sure that's the best way for us to launch a new podcast. Like, hey, we're so you know because again, that it, just, it is it's tone deaf, but. But it's it's fun. It's a nice little kind of a, a gig to have. Uh, you know, there's nothing. Uh, it's starting out fairly slow, but it's it's just fun. And, and I think we we try to keep it short and try to keep it more on as kind of my my tenor is generally. And it's kind of all of us. There's a little humor to it. Um, the, the most recent episode though was like basically just a screed and and screaming, and, and we worked a little blue at times just because it was after the Cubs two walk off losses, and so like. All right, we got to vent and get this out, and then, and then the Cubs started to win, and it's it's been a lot more fun since then. Isn't that the oddest thing about this team? I four days ago I was furious. I was like, "This is over, fire Madden. Let's get done with this nonsense. Let's replate." And now they've won four in a row, and I'm really, really happy. I'm watching Cubs games and Castellanos, and I'm thinking that Castellanos is now maybe one of my top ten all time Cubs. And and this is wonderful. This is such a schizophrenic season. It is, and that's you know I think that's the thing is it, it's easy certainly to to either rant or, or rave in a good way about right. them. Um, but that's I think it's also a testament to some of the flaws that they've got because they are just back and forth, and, and there is sort of this bipolar nature to them. And, and so you kind of look at it, and a lot of that comes to their construction, and you know. 
I think in terms of the enjoyment of it, you know, there's some real highs and some very, very crazy lows. But really, when you think about a really, really good team, yeah, you're going to have those down points. But this team seems to spike back and forth, and there hasn't really been much of a, a, a consistent period of just like, okay, this is cool. Yeah, I can I can turn them on, and, and I'll have the game on in the background, sort of pay attention. No, I mean, it's like either they're going to do something phenomenally awful, yeah, like getting walked off two games in a row, or they're going to have like these nail-biting, oh, my God, what's happening? And it's um, – it's taking years off of everyone's lives. <laughs> that kind of troubles the part. There's so much emotion in it that it, you know. Again, we get on this podcast, we're dropping f bombs and just you know everything's wrong. And then again, to be like, oh, this is the greatest team ever. Uh, <laughs> to, to have these swings, we'll we'll see. Uh, I don't I don't know. It's it's like uh, IU basketball under Tom Crean. All right, man. Have a great weekend. Let's hope that this role continues right through the nationals over the weekend. Sounds good to me. You do the same. If you're a Cubs fan and you don't spend at least a few minutes on CubsInsider.com every single day, you know what? You're missing out. Evan Altman does a great job with his team of covering your favorite baseball team, the Chicago Cubs, with a three-game set against the Washington Nationals at Wrigley Field starting tomorrow afternoon at 2.20, Saturday afternoon 2.20, Sunday afternoon 2.20 as well. The Colts, they've got a challenge ahead of them, I guess. I mean, they're, they're trying to fight for jobs. They're not trying to win games, and Nobody can blame them for that, but preseason football, not thrilling unless you're kind of an American Idol type fan who wants to predict and and put together a 53-man roster and decide which 37 guys who are going to play on Saturday night at Lucas Oil Stadium are not going to make the roster. That's kind of interesting, but other than that, not much to watch. Nobody cares about winning and losing in these things to the extent that no, neither of the teams, neither the Colts nor the Bears, are going to play their starters on Saturday night. The Indiana Hoosiers, they were at Lucas Oil Stadium today. Tom Allen talking to the media, still not willing to name a starter. We know it's going to be Michael Penix. Just tell us that it's Michael Penix. Can you do that? Anyway, Indiana getting ready for their season opener at Lucas Oil Stadium next Saturday against the Ball State Cardinals at Sports Nothing But Sports with Ken Sterling for Thursday, August 22nd, 2019. Tomorrow morning, breakfast with Kent, bright and early, 8 o'clock on Facebook Live, 8 15 on Periscope Live, brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry. Come join me. We'll have some fun.